through September is on global inflation, which is in light of the current economic um, issue that has trans- that has transcended, and um, which is something we will address during our discussion later on in the meeting. Um, so, yeah, is there anything else anyone wants to add? All right, um, before we kick off with... Um, you know the main points of our discussion we're gonna we're just gonna ease into it we're gonna start with something fun so uh, I actually have five quick trivia questions relating to econ lined up and we'll play you know anyone can buzz in say uh, whether they know the answer and yeah it's just something fun to introduce our topic so starting off relatively easy what is uh the world's largest economy anyone okay okay i can i can give some choices okay all right let's say the u.s china japan and germany oh isn't it the U.S.? That is correct. Nice, Eric. It is the U.S. Um, U.S. sits at twenty, almost twenty-one trillion dollars um, of GDP, and following the United States is China at fourteen point seven trillion USD, Japan at five trillion. So, it, you know, the gap between two and three is. It's massive. Then you have Germany, the UK, India, and France all uh, in that order after Japan. All right. Okay. One that's slightly harder, and I can give some choice for this. So, what is the strongest currency in the world? We're going to go with the dollar, the euro, the pound, or... The Kuwaiti dinar. Is it the US dollar? It is not the US dollar. Oh, it's not. In fact, out of all those four choices, the USD is the weakest. Right now, yeah. Oh. Is it the last one? Yeah, it was the Kuwaiti dinar, which if you um, convert one Kuwaiti dinar is... 3.31 3.31 USD. So, yeah, that yeah, that's pretty that's pretty massive. And following it is the Bahraini dinar, uh then the currency of Oman, Jordan, then the pound, and then we have the euro. Yeah. So, USD is actually number 9. Oh. Yeah. Okay, Uh, another very interesting thing is there's this concept called the Big Mac Index, which is basically used to compare uh, this thing called purchasing parity between current countries. And, you know, when you think of a Big Mac, you think of essentially a list of fixed ingredients, right? So there's not much change in what's actually in a Big Mac, but... What would change 
between countries is the price. So, for reference, in the U.S., it's let's say a Big Mac costs around five point or five bucks and fifteen cents, right? So, which country in the world, which I'll give options, has the greatest Big Mac index? Meaning, the cost of a Big Mac is the highest, or in comparison, right? So. Again, the USD has five bucks and fifteen cents. So you have Switzerland, Norway, Uruguay, and Sweden. Um, is it Switzerland? Yeah, it is Switzerland.、Oh, really? Yeah. So actually, the cost of a Big Mac, again, which would have relatively the same ingredients, right, around the world, wherever you go, is Six bucks and seventy-one cents, which is, you know, all—it's more than a buck and a、uh, buck higher than the price in the U.S. So yeah, I mean, that just kind of shows cost of living in Switzerland might be a lot. Maybe would not wanna, you know, maybe vacate there, but living there, that might be, might be tough.、Um, yeah. Okay.、Uh, I have. This is more relating to inflation, which will translate good with our theme. So there's different things that contribute to inflation, but which of the following doesn't? So we have the quality, the quantity theory, the、uh, cost push inflation, unemployment, or demand push inflation. Please, no one's answered. Do you want to explain that, Arush? Yeah, sure.、Um, yeah, it is unemployment. I mean, I think cost push inflation and demand pull inflation could have been easily eliminated because they have inflation in their name. So surely they'll contribute to it. And yeah, unemployment does not exactly contribute to inflation. Okay, and the final one, which of the following are affected by inflation? So we'll go with low-income consumers, high-income consumers, producers, and unemployed people. And we'll throw an E, all of the above. I feel like it should be mostly consumers. That is a good guess. Yes, that would make sense. Of course. As prices go up, consumers will be hit, but they aren't the only ones affected by inflation. So the answer would actually be all of the above. Yeah, of course, consumers will be hit by increasing price levels. Producers, because costs will increase, and unemployed people, of course, because the demand for labor will be decreasing too. As Cost increase, of course. Okay, nice.、Um, yeah, I think with that we'll segue into this、uh, month's monthly theme. So, if Eric, you wanna start it off. Um. So history of so history of inflation. Um. So what is the meaning of inflation in history? 
Inflation is how prices slowly increase over a good period of time. What is an example of inflation? It's when overall there's an overall increase in prices or the increase in the cost of living in a country. For um, taking a look at a particular example, U.S. inflation rates um, it peaked. Um, looking at it from 1960 to 2023, it peaked at the highest rate of inflation at 1980 with 13.55%. And the lowest rate at 2009 with negative 0.36 percent, and currently at in in 2021 it was 4.70 percent. Now, what is the Great Inflation? The Great Inflation is defined to be the macroeconomic event of the second half of the 20th century. It lasted for two decades during the time of the Great Inflation. Global monetary system is an operating system of the financial environment, which was established during the Second World War and was soon abandoned. And it also, during the time of the Great Inflation, there were also four economic recessions, which are significant downturns in economic activity, and there were two drastic energy shortages. A quote said by one prominent economist: "The greatest failure of American macroeconomic policy in the post-war period." The Great Inflation caused damage, but also lots of changes, like change in macroeconomic theories and changes in the rules that today guide the monetary policies of Federal Reserve and other central banks. While high inflation is generally considered harmful, some economists believe that a small amount of inflation can help drive economic growth. Yeah, that is that is right. I think it's around. You know, a sustained and controlled growth of inflation is actually good for the economy. I think it's around one to three percent. Inflation is actually considered good, and it's it's needed for the economy to grow. So that is a very important thing. And I think through the history of inflation, you know, throughout everything that's happened, the main thing we take away is how to shape. The the policies that we you know implement today to tackle inflation now, right? So, like mentioned, there will be there were changes in macroeconomic theories. There were changes in the monetary policies that uh, are used by central banks, by Federal Reserves, right, to control the supply of money in the economy, right? And with all. The things that have happened, we can we use those to to learn, right, and shape the policies we have today. Yeah, definitely. Like alongside the history of inflation, it's kind of interesting to see how um, monetary systems, alongside inflation, has developed throughout history, and just how people themselves have adapted to it and changed it to,、um, to work in a more Um, in a manner that fits everybody's standards.、Um, yeah, I mean, in general, the history of inflation. I mean, looking at some of the points, like the highest rate of inflation, nineteen eighty, thirteen point five five percent. That is massive. That just means that the average price level of goods in general, right, increased by. Thirteen point five five percent over the course of a year, which,、uh, yeah, I mean, cost of living during that time would be crazy. And generally, when we see inflation rise like that,、uh, we would expect 
things like currency to also uh, not increase in value but increase in numbers if that makes sense like like take the like peso right like your notes go up to a thousand but there's places where there's like a hundred thousand notes right yeah um and it's also like beyond just highlighting the 1980 value the lowest rate of inflation at 2009 is also quite surprising hitting negative numbers and um it's interesting how these um values kind of give way to um to our view on what exactly occurred during those years for 2009 i expect it's a long-term effect of the 2008 housing crisis in the yep. u.s yeah exactly um does anyone else have anything to add to the discussion okay if not we can move on and take a closer look at exactly how you know inflation is caused and the causes for current global inflation today so ahan if you want to take this away yeah sure so uh, a lot of uh, major causes of inflation right now um is uh one of them actually happened pretty recently where uh Joe Biden gathered a pretty big crowd uh, around the White House for uh, Inflation Reduction Act, and uh, a government report just showed how hard that might be to bring down uh, surging prices. So, its uh, its effect might be uh, somewhat effective or uh, or modest at best, uh, because uh, according to last month's report, inflation was at an 8.3% year to year which is uh crazy considering uh looking at the history of inflation uh especially its peak at around like 13 to 14% like uh 8.3% according to last month's report i find pretty uh really huge yeah and uh just and it also rose just 0.1% from july to august alone which also shows just how difficult it is to hit the Federal Reserve's inflation target uh, of two percent to uh, maintain a steady economic growth within the country, and um, recently as well, U.S. stock fell really hard. And uh, the day after the act was released, S&P fell down four point three percent, and the Dow Jones hit its worst point in twenty years, uh, even after the housing crisis as well. And uh, it's so that's what happened after the inflation reduction act but uh we all we obviously have to factor in the uh pandemic and the effects that it had um and it had uh probably irreparable irreparable damage to the economy and uh it surged through a lot of aggressive fiscal and monetary policies uh that was that were brought up in response to covid uh the stimulus package for the pandemic between the uh Trump and Biden administrations reached around uh, 5 trillion dollars which did help demand come back but unfortunately due to the uh pandemic and obviously uh lockdowns the supply chain uh remains even today hampered and the policy was uh necessary for recovery as well 
So rising prices were mostly based on around three causes for the most part, which were gasoline, shelter, and food, which is also which also makes up 54% of the entire consumer price index. And uh, energy prices uh, have also risen, with gas prices increasing 60% year over year, which is already really crazy. And especially due to uh, Russia's recent invasion of Ukraine, it resulted in a lot of sanctions and put huge limits on the imports of Russian oil. And that led to a big increase in household demand and uh, supply chain shortages from uh, the pandemic. And uh, there was also, uh, companies also couldn't keep up with the sudden rise uh, of uh oil prices and they had pretty reduced production shipping delays especially shortages in labor due to the heavy unemployment at the time as well yeah so yeah i think i think the uh causes of global inflation like you know we see uh inflation affected or caused most by i would i would argue by the pandemic and now of course the supply shocks caused by the war in ukraine right i mean during the pandemic um of course as uh because there was greater like unemployment slowly supply would decrease and that means the limited you know supply that is there now has a higher price so there would be points of inflation which again would impact the people who are unemployed or low-income consumers in general because now their uh you know prices are increasing so they're probably buying less quantities of uh things that are that might be basic needs right and again this goes back and affects the economy because now if let's say you're buying less quantities of food or uh, less quantities of other uh, necessities, right? Then you're, that's affecting your productivity, which is going back and affecting like the amount of output, the supply, right? And it's this whole cycle that keeps going again. So that was one main thing during uh, the pandemic. And now we're seeing massive supply shocks caused by the war in Ukraine, mainly uh, we see this in energy, in oil prices increasing, right? In the price of goods made from uh, crops that are very like present in Ukraine and Russia. Like one thing was yeast and like wheat, right? That's Ukraine uh, is a massive supplier in these kind of crops, and uh, the supply shocks from the war will cause the uh, cost of all of these things that come from it to increase which will drive up um, prices and again contributes to the global inflation today yeah I think it just goes to show how interdependent the global economy is with um, the Russian Ukraine war and just how much that has impacted the, um, the economies of different countries worldwide and it's definitely yeah oh, yeah <laughs> yeah no I, the interdependence is a very important thing i think i mean generally if you were to think of course there are economies in the world like china like the u.s which 
countries depend on so much but i think this global interdependence right you might you might not have thought beforehand the importance of a country like ukraine right in the scale of uh global you know in the global economy right but but now we're seeing these massive effects right and yeah so i think um that is a cause again it's something which was also a bit you know it's unpredictable right so and this massive supply shock has uh gone into uh contributing to the increasing global inflation we are seeing i think with that we can also you know try and understand some of the effects the global inflation is having so emery if you want to take that one away yeah so we'll be focusing on mostly negative effects of the current global inflation so generally the negative effects include um the purchasing power of consumers decrease as the value of money decreases those who are less fortunate or considered poor are affected disproportionately interest rates which is the cost to borrow money also increases and for the current inflation its its main effects are that it's mostly harmful to low and middle income countries so a lot of developing countries are disproportionately affected by this and and since there's inflation the value of the US dollar is less significant to other world currencies which which creates like an imbalance as the american economy strengthens but other economies relative to them decrease in strength which also causes foreign investors to pull money out of markets in developing countries such as south american countries asian countries and african countries Yeah, so I think um the the inflate I mean we have to like highlight how it's affecting low and middle income countries and low and uh middle income uh consumers, right? Because again, these are your average individuals and increasing prices will affect them at a much uh greater proportion than people uh who are high income consumers right i mean if if say like you make minimum wage right and average prices of anything right basic goods are increasing right like again as we mentioned before something like uh foods that are based off wheat products right like bread bread the price of bread which is a thing that almost everyone consumes right it's increasing it's going to affect these low income uh consumers even more right because they'll either have to dedicate more of their income towards purchasing the same quantity or they will have to pr- purchase less quantity of the good right and both ways it's it's a negative effect either you're taking more money to spend on the same thing which will mean that you know you you spend you don't have enough money for either savings or to spend on something else or you're basically lowering the quantity of something that it's a necessity and again that's going to have effects where it impacts 
productivity efficiency and then that'll contribute to a decrease in supply generally uh within you know any any market right and i also think the fact that it was mentioned that uh foreign foreign investors will pull money out of emerging markets like south american like asian markets like african markets this is going to have a massive effect on the development of the nations in these areas right because they they depend on foreign investors right to to fuel a lot of the development that's going on and if that you know if people are pulling out that means uh a lot of projects will be slowed down a lot of um just in general like a lot of developments in these countries will slow down or may not occur at all like the emphasis on the USD is also particularly significant except um and it's even something we can see within the Philippine peso like in the range of quite a few months the peso conversion of the exchange rate from peso to US dollars has spiked up a lot you, um back then it was averaged around 50 i think but now it's it's i think pretty close to 60 Yeah, I think it was like around 58 or something. Yeah, it was it was really high end. Of course, I mean, yeah, again, this is another thing of discussion like the increasing in the US dollar and 90% of all foreign transactions actually happen in um USD. So this will, you know, it's a it's a good thing for investors who've uh invested in the USD and um but again this is a really bad thing for countries where uh the dollar debt or countries who borrow a lot of money from the US right contributes to a lot a lot of their gdp and yeah it's it's going to it's going to hit them even more cuz now they have to pay even more for i guess the same va- the same value that they uh that they borrowed for right Does anyone else have anything they want to add to the discussion on the effects of global inflation? If not, I think I think that that could conclude. I mean, okay, we can also kind of mention how what measures countries can take to to combat inflation and generally these come with monetary policies which are uh policies that target generally the interest rates um of countries and um basically by increasing your interest rates right or uh the supply of money will decrease right because the cost of borrowing that money has increased so um you know if you increase uh discount rate or in- interest rate right cost of borrowing for the banks increases so money supply decreases which is needed in a time of inflation right so generally those are the policies we'll be seeing uh which you know some countries have already started and we will be seeing more of in the coming months to 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 tackle 
the global inflation, right? Increasing interest rates is the main one. Of course, there's other things like um, countries can, or central banks can basically increase the amount of reserve requirements, which are like, think of, it's like the minimum amount of money a bank needs, like in their reserves before they can lend out money, right? So if you're increasing that, that level that a bank needs, right? You're taking away potential money that is put into the economy, which will slow down the uh, supply of money and will slowly also help contribute to deflation and decreasing rates of inflation because as money supply in the market decreases, slowly the average price levels will be uh, will have downward pressure, right? And they'll slowly start decreasing. So I think those are some things we'll be seeing um, uh, soon, and if not, have already started. But yeah. Um, if that's the case, then I think that concludes our podcast recording for this month. Thank you to everyone for listening in, and thank you to Emery and Han for joining in as um, participants of the discussion. Yeah, and also a quick shout out. Thank you for our researchers, Ahan, Misha, Saisha, and Takao. Yeah, so behind the scenes, uh, everyone, thank you. Thank you.